Welcome back to the Adam Schefter Podcast. Coming out of week two, heading into week three of the NFL regular season with some noticeable trends and developments already taking hold. To help us break some of them down, we will be joined today by the former NFL safety who spent 12 years with the Dallas Cowboys winning three Super Bowls, earning five Pro Bowl selections, and being named first-team All-Pro four times. Darren Woodson, the former ESPN analyst, my friend, will be here. He's also in the Cowboys' ring of honor, and he's the perfect guest for this week's podcast to discuss everything with the Dallas Cowboys, as well as what his former teammate, Deion Sanders, has been doing with the now 3-0 Colorado Buffaloes. But we are coming out of another sobering Monday night. And let me just say this. There are always injuries in football. There are always going to be injuries in football. But the run of injuries on Monday night football has been disturbing. It has been sobering. When we think back to last season and some of the most anticipated games that we've waited to sit down and see, somehow they've gone sideways. Last year, I think about all the excitement leading in to a Monday night game with the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals. And we had the horror of the DeMar Hamlin situation, which totally overtook Monday night football as it should have. And it was horrifying to watch and literally stayed with you and always will be with you. One of those games that you remember where you were when it happened. And then we had the Monday night opener. Couldn't wait for Aaron Rodgers. His Jets debut against the Buffalo Bills. He runs out with the American flag. MetLife Stadium goes bonkers. The electricity running through the stadium is palpable. And four plays and 75 seconds into the game, Aaron Rodgers goes down with a torn Achilles that completely overshadows the game. And then on Monday night again, the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, a great classic traditional AFC North matchup, and lo and behold, maybe the best running back in the game, a guy that everybody universally admires and respects, Nick Chubb goes down with a just grotesque injury that ends his season. And so, I don't know what it is here, but it's just Monday Night Football has had a hex on it the last few weeks. And I know the games go on, but the injuries hang over the game, and you feel so terrible For the players, for the teams, for the fans of those teams, it's horrifying to watch. And from my seat, I'm just telling you, it just changes the tone of the night for everybody watching it, involved in it. And you just want there to be situations where nobody gets hurt, the games go on, and we get to focus on the game itself and not an injury. Been a bad run. And hopefully it changes with this week's Monday night doubleheader. Again, ESPN on tap with another Monday night doubleheader. We get Philadelphia at Tampa Bay at 7.15 Eastern on ABC. And then the Rams at Cincinnati at 8.15 Eastern on ESPN. But this has been a difficult stretch. I feel terrible for the players and hopefully there are no more incidents like this that overshadow the games. All right. After... A little soliloquy like that. We could use a little drink. Let's go on to the weekly six-pack. 
All right, after taking a week off last week, the six-pack returns this week because, frankly, we need it after another Monday night injury. And we're going to start with Saquon Barkley and the ankle injury that he suffered on Sunday. It looked like it could have been bad when he went down. And he got helped off the field. He threw his helmet. And it turned out that an MRI showed a sprained ankle, and it's going to sideline him three weeks. And that's a blow to the Giants. But it's also a blow personally to Saquon Barkley, who, if we remember, when he reported to training camp, put in incentives, close to a million dollars worth of incentives for 1,350 rushing yards and a playoff berth. That 1,350 rushing yards with three games missing, we presume, will be difficult to reach. 11 touchdowns. He's got one so far. Going to be tough to get. 65 receptions. He gets another $300,000. He's got nine so far, so he probably still can attain that, but that injury could wind up costing Saquon Barkley, oh, on Sunday. Let's hope that Saquon Barkley gets well soon. Item number two on the weekly six-pack, Aaron Rodgers' injury. And there's been a lot of talk about him coming back, and we heard himself say that he's going to challenge himself to come back. And I think really, despite any of the questions, he was always going to come back. And the reason is this. He has loved being a part of the Jets organization. He feels completely invested in that organization. And I don't think he'd be willing to go to that organization, take $75 million in guaranteed money, play 75 seconds in four plays, and then just walk away with his career ending on that play. And that's why I don't think it was ever realistic or practical that he would choose to walk away. Now, he's going to be physically challenged, but they're not ruling it out that somehow he can make it back by the end of the season if everything goes okay. We'll see if it does, but clearly... Aaron Rodgers will certainly be striving to come back as soon as possible, certainly by the 2024 season, and it will be great to get him back on the field because everybody was robbed of getting the chance to see what he could do in a Jets uniform when he went down last Monday night. All right, item number three on the weekly six-pack. Is there a better story right now in football than the Rams rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua? I mean, this guy is unbelievable. He had the most receptions in a single game by a rookie in NFL history on Sunday. He looks like Cooper Cup light right now. He's the first player in NFL history with at least 10 receptions and 100 receiving yards in each of his first two NFL games. And he's the fifth player in NFL history with at least 10 receptions and 100 receiving yards in each of his first two games of the season joining. Miles Austin in 2010, Isaac Bruce in 1998, Cooper Cup in 2022, and Andre Risen in 1994. They're force-feeding him the ball. He's making plays every time. And Puka Nakua already is one of the favorites. And who would have thought this for the Offensive Rookie of the Year? The Rams have found themselves a viable wide receiver. Guy's been incredible. It's been one of the great stories of the NFL season. And we will continue to watch the great Puka Nakua. Who would have thought that? and how he impacts the Rams' hopes. Item number four on the six-pack, Patrick Mahomes' new deal. How many quarterback deals did we see this offseason? It was incredible. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and lastly, Patrick Mahomes. And that will be, I think, the last mega quarterback deal for a while. We may get Dak Prescott here after the season. Kirk Cousins is a free agent. Ryan Tannehill is a free agent. But the superstar quarterbacks of the game, their deals have been done. 
and they've been done for quite some time now. So those deals now will go away, and Patrick Mahomes is worth all the money the Chiefs gave him. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to do a single thing. He had nine years left on his contract. He still has nine years left on his contract. But the Chiefs, recognizing how much he means to football, to that organization, to that city, they essentially just moved up $210.6 million into the next four years of the deal and said, we will revisit this contract again in four years when other quarterbacks begin to get paid again. And they make sure that Patrick Mahomes continues to be paid as one of the top players in all of sports. Item number five, speaking of top salaries in sports, how about Micah Parsons? How much money do you think that he's going to make when his contract gets done this offseason? That guy, and we're going to talk about it here in moments with the former Cowboys great Darren Woodson, is already arguably the best defensive player in the game, along with maybe TJ Watt and Aaron Donald. The guy is a game wrecker. He can't be blocked. He's unbelievable, and he's lighting it up leading the Cowboys to a 2-0 start where they've outscored their opponents so far 70-10. to Parsons has been dominant. He's already in the top 10 all-time Dallas Cowboys sack leaders this early in his career, and who knows where he's going to wind up, but he is on a path to go straight to Canton right now. And we mentioned Darren Woodson, and we mentioned some of the trends going on, and I know this is an NFL podcast, but There is no better story in all of football right now than what Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado. And if you look at his former NFL teams, I think it's the year of Deion. He played in Atlanta. The Falcons are 2-0. He played in the 49ers. They're 2-0. He played with Dallas. They're 2-0. Played in Washington. They're 2-0. Played in Baltimore. They're 2-0. Every team that Deion touched and played with is 2-0. And his buffs are 3-0. And with the idea of Micah Parsons and Deion Sanders in mind, we decided we would reach out to the great Darren Woodson, who truly is one of the classiest people and smartest people that I've ever worked with during my time at ESPN. I was honored to call him a teammate. It was great to get the chance to reach out to him again, and he was kind enough this week to join us, the great Darren Woodson. There's my friend. Hey, Jeff. Hello, Mr. Woodson. Yes, sir. How are we doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm, you're probably in the middle of shows, man. What show are you about to get on right now? The Blitz at 3 o'clock, NFL Live 4 o'clock, and then Monday Night Countdown 5 o'clock before we have two games on Monday Night Football. Oh, so God, nice, forget. quiet day here at ESPN, right? Uh, yes, yes. I, I remember those days, but uh, you're, you've always been the hardest working man in, in show business, so I'll let you have that. I'll enjoy corporate America. <laughs> How is corporate America, by the way? It's good, man. It's been great. Look, I've been, you know, I spent 13 years with you, uh, Shefty, up at ESPN, and I traveled back and forth from Dallas up to Bristol week in and week out. At the same time, I was running a business, and you know, at, at some point, I had to to grow up and and take care of the business, uh, which is a commercial commercial real estate firm here. And we, uh, so if anyone's looking, that's this little plug I'm about to give is, you know, we, we help people find office space. You help you find industrial space internationally and across the, the country. So, no, that's what I do. And, and I know that that business is going well because everything that you touch goes well. You've got the Midas touch, whether it's playing football, whether it's broadcasting football, whether it's in commercial real estate there, Darren. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I would say, look, I've had my losses. Trust me. Like in any other part of my life, whether it's football, 
or on TV at ESPN or even in the commercial real estate world. I've had my losses. Just hey, look, I'm resilient. I'm all bounced. But, back. but, it, but it, I got that bounce. But back. it's not many losses. Look, you you got what three Super Bowl titles, correct? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Three rings. Okay, so three th- three rings, and and here's why I wanted to ask you about what's going on in football. You played on a great Dallas team. You played with Deion Sanders. And I think two of the biggest stories in all of football are Deion Sanders and what he's done to Colorado and what the Dallas Cowboys with their 2-0 record are doing. So let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones at the start of the season said that this may be the best team that he's been around. What is your assessment of how good this team is, maybe as it compares to some other great Cowboy teams that you've played on or watched? Yeah, well, I think in the years past, we've always in Dallas, we've always been familiar with the offensive names here. There's always been the big name, even when Romo, Tony Romo was quarterback, and you had T.O., you had Jason Witten, and and you had a sparing when you had a guy like Demarcus Lawrence or Demarcus Ware on the opposite side of the ball. But there wasn't a, a lot of star power on the defensive side of the ball it's, it's since the '90s. We haven't had that kind of star power on that side of the ball with the Charles Haley's of the world, the Deion Sanders of the world. So. Now what you're seeing is a team that's a holistically they've gotten better top to bottom. Defensively is where it's at on this football field, on football team now. They they have so much depth and, and they rush the passer, they cover on the back end, and there is a mentality of we're not going to give you an inch. I saw yesterday they gave up a touchdown against the Jets. And the fight that pursued on that, that you know, it started on the sideline was outside of itself. But it's the natural way of, of going about your business when you're an elite defense. Someone's going to take the blame and that whoever is taking the blame is going to stand up and fight themselves. So it's, you know, there's some friction on the sideline, which is natural for good defenses. You want you want to see like the Baltimore Ravens back then when they give up a touchdown. There's an argument on the sideline. So, you know, that's the type of defense that you have now. And it's led by probably one of the the best players I've seen in a long time. I don't know if I've ever seen someone this disruptive in Micah, Micah Parsons. I mean, he's you know, every down, first, second, third down, you move him around, you play in multiple positions. He disrupts the entire game, and we've seen that the last two weeks. Is there anybody that you could compare him to? Like, we've heard the Lawrence Taylor comparisons, Darren. Do you think that that's fair yeah. and applicable? I, I think that's fair and applicable, uh, but you you kind of knew where Lawrence LT was going to line up. He was either going to be on the left side or the right side as a defensive end. Uh, I, I would say Donald a little bit, you know, with the Rams as far as him moving around, Aaron Donald moving around the the, the line and, and and not being able to block him one on one. Which I think, what here's where Micah Parsons becomes an issue is that you always have to account for him. You know that, but you never know where he's going to be. He can line up on that, the defensive end position. He can line up the linebacker position, walk up in the gaps. If you have a guy who's just a guy that can't block him, they're going to find him. They're going to find who the guy is, the best matchup, and they're going to put Micah Parsons against him. And I don't know if anyone has a first step like this guy. He, he's, his motor and the way he chases the ball and gets after the quarterback is something I haven't seen. And you know, we have this argument here. Like, we, you know, of course, we won Super Bowls here in the 90s. A lot of the old guys are always talking trash. They couldn't play with us. You know, these guys are different. They're soft. Let me tell you what. That number 11 could have played at any generation, any time, on any team, and he would have started. Hands down. He's that different. I, and, and again, I saw I played with the Deion Sanders of the world. 
I played with the Charles Haley's of the world, guys who were totally who could, could control a football game. This guy is in that category. He is he's special. He's really special. With that in mind, Darren, how far do you realistically think this Cowboys team can go this season? Listen, I think if they stay healthy, if they stay healthy across the board defensively, and again, one of the good things about this defense this year is they got a lot of depth. They have, they have so much depth. If, if Micah goes out of the game, you bring in Sam Williams, who gets to the quarterback. Just you know, hey, they move him around as well. Then you got D. Law on the opposite side. They have multiple pass rushers that get after the ball. The weakness of this defense in years past has always been up the middle that you can run the ball on them. I don't know if you can run the ball consistently against this front anymore because the defensive tackle position has gotten solidified. The linebacker position has gotten solidified, and they have guys in the middle of the state in the field, the safety in the middle of the field that, that will come up and fill. So there's not a weakness in the middle of that defense right now. Uh, as opposed to years past. So I, I, I'm a firm believer is your defense is going to take you where you need to go as long as they can stay healthy and as long as they play ball control on the offensive side of the ball. You know, listen, the Cowboys have had some great years in recent years. I remember the year they were the number one seed and Eli Manning went into Dallas and beat them in a year the Giants wound up winning the Super Bowl. What makes this Dallas team different though, Darren? I think that what makes them difference is I think they really understand who they are now. I really do. I think in years past, they always felt like they had to outscore the opposing team because the defense was a liability. I, I don't see that anymore. I, I see this defense as a team, as the strength of this team. And we watched the first half of that game just this past week, and they're not asking Dak to do a whole lot, the first specifically in that Giants game, the first game of the season. Yeah, he was asked to do a lot more in the first half of that game yesterday, and he played well. And, 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 and when you can get this team balanced on offense, running the football, maybe 30 passes, 27 completions by Dak, 25 completions by Dak, those are winnable games. I think this team fundamentally across the board, they're sound. And I, I can tell you this, Shefty, for ye- in years past, you know me better than anybody. I've, I've, I've never been Mr. Optimistic. I've always thought that this team has had warts. Somewhere down the line, they were going to give it up because they had a, a weakness that was going to be a glaring weakness when it came playoff time, when they were playing the likes of the 49ers or the Eagles or whatnot. I don't see the glaring weakness that I saw in years past. And again, if they can stay healthy, they match up with anyone. Two good corners, good pass rush. And, and they'll turn the ball. They'll first. They'll force turnovers. So that, I think that's what I. Re- I I'm like this, the big brother right now, man. I'm so excited about what they've accomplished defensively. You mentioned being the big brother, right? You're a five-time Pro Bowl selection, a four-time All-Pro selection. You're in the Cowboys Ring of Honor. How much involvement do you have with these guys? Because I would think that you, with your outstanding character, would be somebody that that they would want their players to lean on. Are you, do you have relationships with these guys? Do you go to the games? Do you go to practice? Do you talk to them? Do you? Oh, yeah. So I office at the star where they practice. I can actually, my office overlooks the practice. Oh, wow. You come back, you can watch practice from, from the, from the office, but uh, I'm there. I'm, I'm involved in some ways. I have individual relationships with a lot of the guys that are, that are currently playing, but as far as the all side of it, man, I, I just feel like this coaching staff, they really have their hands around this. I mean, I, I don't think there's anyone outside of that organization that's that's providing a ton of assets and a ton of resources. The guys, the, the, the coaching staff alone has done such a phenomenal job of making sure these guys are on time, doing the right thing. 
And they're dogs, man. They're, they have some dogs on this team. They finally, on both sides of the ball, that you know, the, you know that that really show up to play and they want to win. There's like there's this. I think they understand the moment that they're in right now, and there's an opportunity. And I know they're only two and zero, and it's a long season, but you're just seeing a lot of the consistency that it takes to be a championship team that's built in that locker room. You mentioned dogs. Speaking of dogs, your former teammate Deion Sanders has got a bunch of dogs in Colorado. Gives yeah. them D's to wear in their wow. uniform. I'm just curious. How much you've paid attention to them and what your reaction is to the way that Dion has turned away that program and basically rocked college football. You know, I, again, I've known Dion since 90, you know, he came onto the Cowboys in 95, the 95 season. I kind of knew him a little bit when he was in Atlanta. Uh, the man hasn't changed much. He, he firmly believes in who he is as a person. And he's always going to be disruptive in anything that he ever does. He's going to want to be disruptive in nature. Uh, he was disruptive when he came into our locker room. We accepted him because he firmly believed in himself and he absolutely showed it on Sundays. Like, God, he's the best athlete I've ever seen play the game of football. But what I really liked about him, and people don't know the story, or his story is when he came in, when he, when he stopped playing football, he got on the coach's side. At the youth level, I'm talking five, six year old, six, seven year old got kids playing football all the way up through high school. And he had that youth program and was doing all the dirty work when nobody was around. No one was around when he was he started that program years ago in South Dallas. No one saw him show up every single day to coach these young men uh, to, to play football. And then he went on to high school and he cut his teeth there. And he went through some ups and downs there as far as coaching. He's always trying to get better and better and asking Mike Zimmer and all these coaches around the, the, the country on how he could get better. And then he finally gets to Jackson State. And it's the same guy that I played with back then. He knows what he wants. He knows he wants to teach these young men uh, to be better people. Yeah, better football players come with it, but better people. And they firmly believe in him. You know, we always talk about leaders of men. This is a leader of men. I mean, as much as Dion talks, and I know everybody's sitting there waiting for it. A lot of people are sitting there waiting for him to fail. If he fails, he can handle it. He's had failure before in his life. But he truly, truly believes in self and, and, and the kids that are around him, man. And it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a blast to watch. Look, I'm a old former Sun Devil, but I can tell you what, I'm tuning in every week to watch my guy in Colorado Buffaloes play. It's just that it's been a great story. You know what? Let me tell you something. I put on their first game thinking, okay, let me see what Dion does. Yeah. And I've been yeah. riveted and I've watched all their games. Now I'm a Michigan guy and I love Michigan and I'm rooting for my school. But this year, yeah. I've never had another school that I've actually rooted for as well. I'm rooting for Dion. I'm rooting for his guys. It's been yeah. unbelievable yeah. to watch. And he's been a breath of fresh air to me for everything he's done for Colorado and for college football. Oh, he has. He has. And let me tell you, like, he always talks about believe. You guys didn't believe it. I'm Shefty. I'm going to put it out there right now. I didn't believe that they would win, uh, be winning the way they're winning. I didn't, I didn't believe that they would go in, come into TCU and win that game. Being a Texas boy and watching TCU, TCU get to the finals last year, I, I did not believe until I saw them play that game. And I thought, okay, they're a little different. Uh, I didn't understand what they got, went out and got in the portal. They got some really good football players. But again, the quarterback position is where it starts in college football and in the NFL. And his son, Shador Sanders, is playing 
lights out. He's got to, he's going to have to carry this team in a lot of instances throughout the season. But I, I am a fan of what they're building there. And they're just getting started. They're just getting started. So, you know, hold on. Because the on the recruiting trail, he's not going to stop recruiting. Even when through what they're doing now, they're they're, they're two and zero or three at the three and zero or two and zero, where whatever they are right now, uh, they're playing. You know, they play. You know, a couple of games they got some wins underneath, and they got a lot of notoriety. But he is not going to quit recruiting. He is going to live on the road. He's going to make sure he goes and gets those kids that no one thought he was going to get. They're going to come to Colorado because they truly believe in who he is and how in his coaching style. And I think that's where it goes. Like, who's going to say no to Deion Sanders walking into that living room? You name it. A top-notch kid is going to go want to be a winner around winners, and this man has won all his life. And I just think that uh, it's going to be, you know, for him, he's going to get the players that he wants because he's going to be relentless on the road. Did you know Shador growing up? I've known Shador, I've known Shiloh, I've known Bucky, I've known the entire family. Look, the, the, the man has always brought his, his kids around. I mean, there's not been a day at the Cowboys locker room that Bucky wasn't running around. Uh, that Shiloh and all the other kids, you know, you know, weren't running around and he wasn't teaching them or coaching them in some aspect. But, uh, you know, it's fun. It's, it's fun to watch because a lot of the guys that are my age now have watched, you know, Shador and Shiloh at a young age and be superstars here in, in, the, in the youth at the youth level. And now to see them make and elevate to the next level, it's been great to watch. You know, that, that's when you start to feel old, right? When I used to cover the Denver Broncos for the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News back in the day, the ball boy was Mike McDaniel. Kyle Shanahan was carrying his coach's headset. Christian McCaffrey was a little boy following around his father, Ed McCaffrey, back in the day. I mean, it's great. The people that I was around, these little kids, are yeah. now grown, established, bona fide, legit people in their yeah. sports. Yeah. The that same, tells you we're the old. Same kids. Yeah, yeah, it makes you old. And those same kids are trying to bum candy off of you, maybe a dollar off of you. Now it's, and we need to return the favor. You start bumming some stuff off of you. <laughs> So before we go, any interest in ever returning to be back a part of the media or no interest in doing that ever again, Darren? No, I, I don't. I, I knew you were going to ask me that at some point, Shafty. Look, I, I've, I've had a great time. So many relationships like with yourself and the Trey Wingos. I haven't seen, I haven't talked to Teddy in about a year. Bruce Kidd, I owe him a test, uh, text, but, you know, so many great relationships that will, that will be lifelong relationships that I had at ESPN just sitting in the green room uh, back in the days and, and just chopping it up, man, was just, it was fulfilling for me. And it was a time of my life that I needed to go through, but this is the next chapter. And, and for the last five years, it's been the next chapter. And I've enjoyed that part of it too. I've, you know, I've, I've learned so much uh, over the last, you know, 20 some years in, with the NFL and ESPN that's really helped me be the person I am today. Well, it's unbelievable. Despite the high ranks in the star, you're crushing it in commercial real estate. You get to watch the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys this year. You get to watch your former teammate, Deion Sanders. And that's why we reached out to you. I'm like, you know what? I got to hear what Darren's got to say about all these things going on with the people outside his office and people whose paths he's crossed before in the past. Well, I appreciate it, Sheffy. Thanks for reaching out. Hey, man, and don't be a stranger. And when you come to Dallas, stakes on me.
I'm going to the steakhouse. Oh, you know what? I would love that. I don't know the next time we're going to be there, but I'm going to take you up on that. And I would love to do that the next right, time I'm there. Good. Sounds good. Thank yeah. you for the time today, Darren. I really appreciate you. No problem, man. Love you, brother. Take care. And there's the great Darren Woodson, who has something in the Midas touch, not surprisingly, because that's the way he carries himself and everything he ever is involved in, it turns to gold. The great Darren Woodson. All right, it's time to begin to turn our attentions to week three. We have the Titans-Browns, which would have been an unbelievable matchup between Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. And we hope that Nick Chubb does his best for a speedy recovery from that devastating knee injury on Monday night. And now we'll just see Derrick Henry versus Jerome Ford, the Browns running back in that particular game. We get the Falcons-Lions, and the Lions have a quick turnaround after this game before playing at the Packers the following Thursday night in week four, which starts a stretch of three row games in four weeks for Detroit. And speaking of the Packers, they get to have their home opener this week against the New Orleans Saints. It'll be Jordan Love's first ever career start at Lambeau Field, and he's only thrown 11 passes at home in his career, never having thrown a touchdown pass so far in Green Bay. The Denver Broncos go to Miami. Think about this. Sean Payton wanted Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio wound up in Miami as the Dolphins' defensive coordinator. Now the two men who are very close get to go up against each other as Denver looks for its first, first win. We get the Chargers at the Vikings, two 0-2 teams. Can you imagine how much criticism and speculation and questions there's going to be for the team that loses this game, the team that goes to 0-3? That's going to be tough. Patriots at the Jets. The Patriots have won 14 straight games versus the Jets since the start of 2016, which is the second longest active win streak by one team versus another. We get the Bills and the Commanders, and that should be an intriguing matchup as well. Josh Allen has never lost to Washington, has five total touchdowns in their last meeting back in week three of 2021. An AFC South matchup. Texans at the Jaguars. The Jaguars won their last meeting in week 17 last season, 31-3, which snapped a nine-game win streak for the Texans versus the Jaguars. We get an AFC South matchup with Houston versus Jacksonville. Jacksonville right now looks like it's for real. I know it's coming off the loss to Kansas City, but they are loaded on offense, and I think they're going to be a very tough out. All right, we get the Colts at the Ravens. What Potentially should have been Anthony Richardson at Lamar Jackson. We'll see where the Richardson can go. He's in concussion protocol this week. Could be challenging for him. And if he can't go, Gardner Minshew will face Lamar Jackson, who's won five straight home starts since week five of last season. And a six straight home win would be the longest streak of his career. Carolina travels out to Seattle. Tough spot for the Panthers playing the Seattle Seahawks coming off a big win in Detroit. The Bears were at the Chiefs, and boy, the Bears, they're struggling. And there could not be a tougher matchup this week than to have to go to Kansas City to play Patrick Mahomes on his new deal. And you think Matt Nagy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator and former Bears head coach for four seasons, is going to be looking forward to that game? Oh, yeah, he certainly will be. Dallas plays at Arizona. Dak Prescott will play in the 100th game of his career, and he's the only quarterback in NFL history with 150 touchdown passes and 25 rushing touchdowns in his first 100 games. Sunday night, Pittsburgh at Las Vegas, the Raiders' home opener. Las Vegas will be primed for that game. And then, of course, the aforementioned Monday night doubleheader. And we just hope, just hope that it's just the games, about the games. 
that we get through the night cleanly, that it's entertaining football, that nobody goes down the way that it has been the case in each of the first two weeks of Monday Night Football. All right. I want to thank the great Darren Woodson for his time today. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week as we'll look back on week three, begin to look ahead to week four. And until then, have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the games.